Cottony Construction Law is dedicated to helping the construction industry in legal, risk, and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's Law & Mortar with John Kenny and Trent Cottony. I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of Law & Mortar. I'm Trent Cottony, CEO of Cottony Construction Law. And as always, we have John Kenny. John, you are CEO of Cottony Consulting Group, among other things. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Good to see you today. I assume everybody's getting ready for the end of the year push. Yeah, I know. I know we are as well. So, you know, that brings up actually a, a, our first topic of conversation, and that is, you know, contractors, for those of you that have a uh, end of the year cycle where you are um, focused on closing out your books into the year, your fiscal year is your year end. Um, making sure that you've got a proper procedure and process in place is critical, um, not just from a legal perspective, but from a business perspective. John, why don't you talk a little bit about some of the things that you think contractors should do in preparation for a year end? Yeah, one of the things you want to do, uh, I was on with a client this morning, we're doing a year end checklist, uh, going through and verifying all their year end expenses, make sure throughout the year they've got everything classified correctly because you're also kind of doing your pre-tax planning at this point too. Uh, one thing went through today, it's a good time to look at where you're at with your financials. If you do have some tax burden and you're doing your incentive plans with your employees, bonuses, you know, that's all pre-tax. So that's what, you know, helps you out there. You also want to look at what's coming out um, as far as your ARs. ARs are a uh, hot button right now for every company out there should be watching them very closely. Anything that rolls into next year that is 30, that is 60, 90 or plus right now is not the best in the world. Try to collect your money it's as hard as it is with only what, a week and a half left to the year. Really put a heavy push on money. And then after you get in the first push on that, then we're working coming into January. If you got all your stuff in gear and you're ready to go, great time to sit down and make sure you get your strategic planning set for 2021. Yeah, and I would just remind everybody, for those of you that took Paycheck Protection Program funds, um, the time for forgiveness, either you're in the process of doing it now or it's coming up here shortly, you really want to make sure that you're getting your paperwork together and that you're talking to your tax professionals about what impact, if any, forgiveness would have on your tax situation for 2020. Um, as the IRS has kind of indicated, obviously this could change, but the guidance as of today is that uh, you can't take forgiven uh, PPP loan funds as expenses. So that could potentially impact your tax planning for the end of the year. Obviously get with you know, your accountant or a tax professional to kind of figure that out. You know, John, one of the things that uh, we did this week is um, I spoke on, um, you know, subcontractor related issues for best of success. And um, the thing that kind of came up a lot was the need and, and desire to have a, a some, uh, some kind of subcontractor maintenance program or plan that helps you really internalize the do's and don'ts when it comes to managing subs. You know, one of the things that we've talked about repeatedly is that over, especially over the last five years, we've seen a huge, um, you know, uptick in contractors using sub labor. And that's primarily because of the lack of skilled labor that's out there. So some of the things that I suggested in that, that uh, webinar was to make sure that you know you're getting actual copies of policies not just cois that you have a method to go about checking quality control um meaning that you know don't just wait to the end of the job to see what it looks like you need to have a superintendent or a project manager somebody out there 
at least you know a few times a day if you can to check to see how the work is progressing. Um, safety, you know, you want to make sure that your sub is a safe subcontractor. Part of that is engaging in a good vetting process up front. You know, even though construction is a big world, it's really not. We all know who's you know good and who's not so good. So picking a subcontractor that's got a storied history that has been doing it for a while that doesn't have you know a lot of judgments or negative reviews or bad stuff like that that's out there you know for the public to consume that that kind of indicates that they um, are are they're more likely to do a better job than somebody that you just got off the street. So really getting that down on paper and having a process a checklist that your people can do. Um, when they onboard subcontractors while the project is going and then when project completion is done is going to help streamline things significantly. John, you know, back in the in the contractor world, you know, what were some of your experiences with subs and what would you recommend contractors do when they're dealing with them? Well, definitely you brought, we'll start with a couple of points you brought up why it's important. Certificate of insurances. If you don't have a correct certificate of insurance, you will absolutely get hit on your workman's comp audit when it comes out, which is usually follows the close at the end of the year, depending on when your policy is. Uh, you, you could be spending tens of, tens of thousands, up to 100,000 and more in additional premiums covering a subcontractor that doesn't have a correct insurance. So that's very important. So that I faced in real world. Uh, the other thing, quality control, great thing to bring up. Um, you want to really establish these QC plans with your subs prior to starting the job. Um, you still have to manage them just like you're, they're your own employees. If the job's 90% done and it's a mess and you've paid them, guess what? You, they're probably not going to finish your work. Handle it as you go. Check on them on a daily, if not multiple times a week basis. They're, they're really still part of your team. And like I always used to say in the real world, we are only as good as the absolute worst person or team out there that we have in the field. Uh, you know, your whole reputation in the industry is based upon the worst job that you do. So you don't want that to be a bad job. Absolutely, you know, staying on top of that stuff is key. And as uh, we continue into 2021, I don't expect any change as far as use of subs. If anything, I expect it to increase um, as we try to sort of navigate, you know, shutdowns and other things that are happening as a result of COVID-19. Um, you know, something interesting that's that's been going on here in our, our company is uh, we've been expanding internationally. Uh, I think in the past we've talked about, you know, um, ventures that we've got going on in Ecuador and Spain, but um, something that, that we've been working on recently is uh, working with some companies in South Africa to help try to develop uh, more sustainable roofing, uh, multi-purpose roofing that um, also engages in a renewable energy part of it. To that end, you know, we're pleased to announce that we've hired, you know, Corne Broderick to assist us from a legal standpoint, who is actually in South Africa. And uh, one of the things I'm really excited about, John, is, you know, even this week I was working on trying to figure out um, how to make a hydroponic system work uh, without the type of robust roof decking that you normally need for a green roof. So this has been a really interesting project because we've been looking at some new materials. We think that this is an opportunity to turn uh, roofs into profit centers and uh, just just excited about the opportunity. I think there's going to be a lot that comes out of this. So why don't you talk a little bit about it from a consultant side? Sure. So reason why, why I wanted to know, okay, South Africa, you know, why you pick South Africa? It, it's a climate. It's a harsh climate. It also changes and goes from, you know, the deserty type climate to the rainforest climate. 
different areas. So we picked that because it's a great place to start. So over there we have, uh, you know, what we're working on is the roof material being a, a little bit thicker and sustainable, nothing different than what's out on the market. You just don't want to use a cheap membrane. For example, you don't want to use an 045. You want to use something heavier. So we're going to go with the heavier, which is economical. Um, working with the team over there has been a lot of interesting things coming, laying out the piping, the amount of water that's needs, but most importantly is going to be the plant life, the different types of plant that we're experimenting with. Some of them are harvestable type plants. And so just not to get too deep into it, because I know we got a lot of studies to go through and information come out, but the whole purpose of this is to get a retrofit that's able to work onto an existing building so that you can get a return on investment on your roof. So I know we've got a lot of exciting things coming out on that in, in the first quarter of 2021. I'm looking forward to it. The whole concept of vertical farming, you know, with integration of, of you know, the roof system as part of that structure, I think is going to help revolutionize um, how we see roof systems. And I think it's going to be something that is going to um, have an, a huge impact in, in a lot of third world countries because it gives them the opportunity to possibly multi-purpose roofs to grow crops or other things that may help generate some income. So exciting work. You know, this is the kind of thing that, that I get up for in the morning. So really looking forward to that. Our pre-cog is going to be working overtime, crunching all these numbers. So we're going to have some interesting stuff coming out. Last thing we always end with is a question, okay? And we got we have uh, quite a few that uh, I could pick from, but this week's question is from Henry. Henry has a question about uh, safety looking into 2021. And his concern was about uh, the Biden administration in particular. He was concerned about additional regulation that he sees uh, coming up. Um, I've talked about this in previous law and mortars. You know, I do anticipate that there's going to be some additional regulation that comes out of the Biden administration, but um, I think you're gonna get some clarity as well. I think there's a lot of standards right now that uh, could use a little bit more defining. Uh, I know the Biden administration has talked specifically about uh, expanding the heat uh, illness and injury one as well as COVID-19. But, um, you know, I know that in particular, you know, there were some questions about whether or not sheet metal and beryllium would be impacted into construction. Um, you know, I know Henry's question, I know, know him from doing sheet metal works. So I'm sure it's probably something on his mind. Um, I do anticipate that they're going to expand the beryllium standard, which applies to general industry now, to uh, general construction. So that's something that we need to watch out for. It's possible that could be an issue with sheet metal work. Um, as always, we'll have our eyes on it. But, you know, John, as far as, you know, safety trends and things that you see out there, obviously, we've talked before about how the Biden administration is probably going to add more to the plate. Um, but what would you suggest, you know, for, you know, the safety directors that are out there, the, the uh, personnel that are in charge of safety, how can they best get up to speed and help implement these new changes as they come out? Well, uh, you know, as always, follow, follow Cottony. There, there's no doubt about it. We're going to get the stuff out there as fast as possible. So that's your number one resource. Uh, but training, uh, we're finding a lot of companies through COVID, no fault to anybody, is really laxed in training. You're trying to do the social distance. You're trying to do the, you know, everything you're supposed to do. I think you're going to see them come hard on watching your training records. Um, they're going to go hard on uh, falls and that, you know, fall 
resistance up on the roof as far as make sure your lines are proper, you got the proper tie-offs. So as a safety director, I think it's best to start your January out, whether it's virtual safety meeting, however you got to do it, and really just review the basics. I think it's a great time to huddle up and review everything that you know you should be doing with your team and kind of give them a full refresher. I can't think of anything better to do in January than that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're in a cold climate where you're not going to be doing a lot of work anyway. Time to train is between now and February. You know, spend that extra little bit of money, getting your team trained up, regardless of whether it's safety or operations or HR or whatever it might be. Yep. You know, invest in training, invest in, in educating your employees because not only will it benefit you as a company, but it also uh, helps the employees feel vested in what they're doing. So always a big believer in training. Uh, as you know, look, if you guys ever have any questions whatsoever, feel free to reach out to me. I'm T. Cotney at CotneyCL.com. John, what, how can they get a hold of you? That's uh, J. Kenny, J-K-E-N-N-E-Y at CotneyCL.com. Great. And uh, stay tuned next time for more Law & Mortar. We appreciate you guys. Take care.